Sabres improved to 2-1 and one on the season. Stay above 500 early on in the season. Get two out of three wins the rest of the way, and it'll be awesome. We'll recap Sabres 4-2 to two over the Edmonton Oilers from Tuesday night. Next, here on the Locked On Sabres podcast. Your Locked On Sabres, your daily podcast on the Buffalo Sabres. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks for making Locked On Sabres your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcasts, especially on the Odyssey app and on our YouTube channel. Be sure to check us out on YouTube slash Locked On Sabres, where you can like and subscribe to the show there. Leave a comment, leave a question, leave a review, whatever you may be, whatever you're feeling in the moment. At Sneaky Joe Sports to follow me on Twitter, at Locked On Sabres to follow the podcast account. The Sabres improved to two and one. On the season, only three games in, but a, a record above 500 after a 4-2 to two win over Connor McDavid and the Edmonton Oilers. We'll break it all down today. Got some new segment ideas to, to test out and throw the throw the, the, the hook out into the waters today, see if anything bites. Um, I got a couple of different segments, so stay tuned for we've had uh, the Sabres goat head of the night. That will remain, uh, so we've got that coming. Sailing across the Atlantic. I'm going to take a look around the Atlantic Division a little bit later in the show. And the Hack Eichel Cam. That was the best name I could come up with. The Hack Eichel Cam instead of Jack Eichel. Uh, update you on what happened with Vegas last night. And you'll want to stick around for this one uh, if you're hate-watching the Golden Knights and Jack Eichel. So all that's coming a little bit later down the road. Sneaky Joe Notebook is going to start the show off today with some thoughts that I had while watching the Sabres win over the Edmonton Oilers. Notes I jotted down uh, that I noticed throughout the game. I wanted to make sure I shared here on the podcast. Stats of the game at some point today as well. That's all ahead here on Locked on Sabres. So thanks for taking part in today's show. Hopefully you listened to me on the uh, the over-under for this game and for the puck line. All right, I swung two for two on my uh, my favorite bets on our bet online preview of Sabres and Oilers. I said to take the Sabres on the puck line. Should have told you to take the Sabres on the money line, but that's okay. Wasn't feeling that risky on the night. Sabres obviously covered the puck line by getting the win outright. And the under hits for the second consecutive game. Um, well, the game before, it would have pushed. This game, it hits with six goals total, 4-2 to two Sabres over the Edmonton Oilers. And the over-under line was originally set at 7. So we'll start off today's show uh, looking at the 4-2 win over Edmonton by looking at the Sneaky Joe Notebook. So these are just things I jotted down in the course of watching the game. And it's going to really begin with the goals. Rasmus Dahlin gets a nice goal, a nice shot. That's really been the weakness of his game as he entered the league was his release. But he's got three goals in three consecutive games. That is the first time a Sabres defenseman has ever scored in each of the team's first three games to begin a season. Lindy Ruff scored the first three goals of his own season back in the back in the 80s. But Ruff also had been playing some forward, playing some D, and he didn't play the first game of the season, so it's a little bit of a skewed stat. But Dahlin, the first Sabre defenseman to score in each of the team's first three games to begin a regular season. Now, no Sabre since Alexi Zitnik in 1998 has had more than 14 goals in a season. And it's about damn time that that happens. 
get some goal production from the back end, get one guy that has some really solid goal production, flirting with 20 goals. I think Darlene is on his way to having that type of season, uh, getting started hot early uh, with three goals in three games. And they've all been nice goals. They've all been nice releases. The, the, the goal against Edmonton uh, on Tuesday night is – he picks the puck off out of the air from um, from middle stat at, off the faceoff. Sabres on a four-on-three power play, and he just wastes no time. He gets to the high slot, and he just rips a wrist shot, and he's getting enough velocity, enough torque, and weight on that shot right now to where it is very difficult for goaltenders to stop it. He's doing that little curl toe drag to change the angle on a shot. So it's just a lot going on that is nice with his shot release. It's very similar to the goal he scored against Florida, um, where – He's cutting across the left wing and he picks the pass off from tuck. And it's that little toe drag torque on his stick release. And it's a very tough puck to stop for Spencer Knight. So these are nice goals that Dalina is scoring. They're not just fluky wrist shot from the point and hits three legs on the way through Uh good job by Dalene. Again, he has been the Sabres best player, I think all season. Uh, and right now I think he is their best. Season. He is their best player. And I would expect him to remain that uh, Tage Thompson. He made SportsCenter top 10, actually. He made it, just squeaked in, number 10. If you watched SportsCenter this morning, you would have saw Thompson's goal. This is not a typical Thompson goal. Thompson has become accustomed to those quick-release, high-slot wrist shots where it's just impossible for the goalie to stop because he gets so much on his shot in a quick amount of time. This was Lindros-esque. This was like Eric Lindros, just barreling down the center of the ice, six foot seven, 240 pounds, and using his size, his frame, and his length to keep defenders away from the puck. Leon Dreisaitl, and this is Dreisaitl and Darnell Nurse are the two players that he is out-muscling to get to the spot to where he could score a goal. Makes the play in his defensive zone, by the way, to start it. But then, you know, keeping uh, Dreisaitl at bay by doing a little toe drag to the middle, and then that outside to the backhand, inside to the forehand, and tuck it behind Stuart Skinner, the Edmonton goaltender. That is a highlight reel goal from Tage Thompson. That is a coast-to-coast goal by Tage Thompson. And it's not one that he usually scores. He's, again, scoring more on his release and his shot. This was just filthy stick handling, using the size to your advantage. And it really reminded me of an Eric Lindros-type goal uh, for Tage Thompson. And good for him because I thought he was really bad in the first two games of the season. And even in this game against the Edmonton Oilers, I didn't think he was particularly great. Now he got put in a tough spot. Um, and we'll get to that in a little bit, why he was put in a tough spot. So I'm not blaming him for this game, but he's been very bad. I think through three games, especially the first two. So good to see him get on the score sheet and do it that way with a goal that electric JJ Paterka scores his second goal of the season to remain at a point a game with three points in three games. Paterka, I mean, this is just breakaway, right? He's behind the blue, the defense and just calm, cool, collected. I'm going to skate in, put one leg up in the air and I'm going to tuck it underneath uh, the pads of Stuart Skinner, go five hole quick, hard along the ice. And it's just a, it's a very direct shot. It's not hesitant and like, Oh, one too many moves. I know now should I shoot it? Paterka knew what he was doing going in there. He was direct about it, didn't hesitate, and it was confidence I saw in uh, Paterka, even though he's a rookie and only playing, what, his fifth NHL game and third of the season as a rookie. I honestly believe Paterka, through three games, has been the Sabres' most consistent forward. 
and I don't even know if it's all that close. Maybe I would give Dylan Cousins uh, a, a, a fighter's chance in this one because he's getting a lot of chances. Cousins just isn't burying them, um, and he's on the ice more. But I think Paterka has been the Sabres' most consistent player. Every time he is on the ice, he's doing something to grab your attention. His stick handling is a million miles an hour, but it's controlled. He's not losing the puck. He's got good vision on his passes. He's getting guys into open ice, and he's giving them the puck right on the tape. Should have had another assist in the Florida game, remember, and that goal where Skinner was robbed by Spencer Knight. Paterka's been great. He's moving well. He's fast. He's using his body to his to his uh, advantage. I think Paterka's been the most consistent Sabres forward, which is amazing given that he's only played a handful of games in the NHL. He should remain going through. I'd like to see Jack Quinn get back in the lineup because um, if they can get both of those guys going, then that's going to be the advantage scoring the Sabres have this year that they did not have last year. Uh, but a great finish on the breakaway by J.J. Paterka. Um, and I'll get to some numbers when we go through stats of the game that really uh, emphasize how good Paterka has been, how good he was even in this game against the Edmonton Oilers. Uh, other things that I jotted down in the Sneaky Joe notebook uh, in this game. Ilya Labushkin. Saw Jeremy White on Twitter. Like, we got to come up with a nickname for Labushkin. I think my favorite right now is Ilya, Ilya Labushkin. Labushkin. It's tough. You got to kind of, you got to say it like five times to kind of get used to it. Labush, Labushkin. Laboom, see, I can't even do it. Laboomkin. That's what it is. I'm not even doing it right the first time. Laboomkin is the nickname. Uh, this guy, just don't don't put your head down, right? He is a freight train coming across the middle of the ice. And in an era where the open ice hit has largely died, this is one of the, the remaining souls that is still out there delivering it and that you can't keep your head down because he'll take it off. Um, but he's doing it clean. He's not, you know, I, I thought about him and comparing him to Radko Gudas on Saturday against Florida. Gudas is playing on the other side, and Labushkin just kind of reminds me of that aggressiveness, and like you can't have your head down going across the middle of the ice when he's out there because he's going to take your head off every time. But Gudas has developed a reputation of being a dirty player, and there's a lot of hits that are way over the line from Gudas, and that's not happening with Labushkin. That has not happened in Labushkin's career. Even on this night, he delivers two massive checks, one on Leon Dreisaitl behind the net, two big men colliding behind the net, but it's shoulder to shoulder and it's just a hard collision. And though it's, it's a star player. So maybe that rubbed the Oilers the wrong way because of who it was, but there was no scrum after anyway, the second hit on Dylan Holloway, that was the one that was a little closer to the line, but I still think it's clean because Labuskin he delivers it Shoulder to shoulder, he does make contact with the head, but you can't avoid that in a hit like that. And he stays on the ice when he makes contact. His follow-through, his feet go up into the air, and on and in and, and full time, full speed, it looks like maybe he jumps into the hit, but he doesn't. If you watch the replay, he's on the ice, makes contact, and because of the, the burst of energy that that hit creates, he kind of lifts off into the air just a little bit. Um, but I thought that hit was clean. Now, Labushkin did get injured on, I believe, that play. Uh, he did not return, so he only played a few minutes in the game as a whole. Um, Doc Renato said on Wednesday morning that Labushkin is day-to-day. So, not out long-term, luckily. Um, I think he's going to become a fan favorite for the Sabres, and he's also going to give those fans that want to see those big hits uh, a, a perfect role for a player like that. Because Rasmus Ristolainen, 
used to give hits like that. And fans would love it. And they would love him for it. Some fans would. But I'd always have to be here to tell you, and there'd be other segments of the Buffalo media or fan base that would be there to tell you, it's not really all that valuable. Because it isn't. Those hits are not really that valuable on the score sheet. They're just there for entertainment. Um, for the most part. Not always, but for the most part. Ristolainen as a top-line 25-minute-a-night guy, and that being one of his qualities, come on. you can't. It, it can't be a reason why a guy gets that many minutes. But Labushkin is a third-pair guy that's going to play 15 minutes a night, maybe, sometimes a little bit more than that. And to have a third-pairing guy like that, that's okay. When your top-pairing guy was like that, you needed a lot other of other, other things to provide value for that. Um, so Labushkin's going to become a fan favorite, I think. And uh, he reminds me of a clean Radko Gudis. Um, one other thing I jotted down in my notebook that I wanted to share here before we take a timeout, get stats of the game and the goat head of the night. The Tage line, the Tage Thompson line facing McDavid in the third period. It really wasn't a fair fight. The McDavid line is going to dominate almost every line in the National Hockey League other than maybe a couple, right? Like the the, the McKinnon, Rantanen line in Colorado, Bergeron, Marshawn when they're healthy in Boston. That McDavid line is overwhelming. And the Oilers had last change, and they decided to match McDavid up with Tage Thompson in the third period. And Thompson, Skinner, and um, oh, who was with uh, Tuck were left defending for a lot of the third period, which is why I think it brought a lot of their numbers down and it seemed like they struggled in period number three. It was because they just they had the the unfortunate um, luck of drawing the uh, the McDavid line. All right, we'll come back. Stats of the game when we come back. Both uh, some surface stats and some advanced stats on the night. How well did the Sabres actually play? Also, the goat head of the night. We'll get to that when we return here on the Lockdown Sabres podcast. We are brought to you by BetOnline. BetOnline.net, your number one source for football betting information all season long and hockey betting information as well. We'll have a betting preview of Sabres and Flames on tomorrow's episode. Find all the latest player developments, team matchups, news, podcasts, in-depth analysis on every game you can find. I use BetOnline for my fantasy analysis. When I'm trying to find or make a lineup decision about who to play. One guy's got an over-under of 55 rushing yards. The other guy's got an over-under of 75 rushing yards. Okay, I'm playing the guy with 75 rushing yards. And if it's close, you know, you can make your call however you want it. But it's a good way to tie-break a fantasy lineup decision. And to find out about injuries and who's playing where, Kyron Williams, Rams backup running back I saw in Online today, is going to get a big role in the Rams offense when he comes back from injury. So I went to my league and I picked up Kyron Williams because of the information I got at Bet Online. So for betting, for fantasy, it's the best information you could get, the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite games, including Major League Baseball playoffs, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to betonline.net or use your mobile device to learn more. Bet Online, where the game starts. Joe DiBiase back here on the Locked On Sabres podcast. Thanks for making us your first listen every day. Uh, the Sabres with a 4-2 win over the Edmonton Oilers. They do get the empty net goal at the end by Alex Tuck. You know, goal differential is what it is. I would prefer, I had a hot take on Twitter earlier, that I think the official NHL goal differential should not include empty net goals. But it always has, and it does, so fine. Uh, the Sabres are plus four on the season in goal differential, but three goals were empty netters. Two in the opener, and then one last night by Alex Tuck against the Oilers. It was a good empty net goal, right? Cousins outraces his man to neutral ice. 
skips it forward to Tuck, and Tuck outraces Narayan Nugent Hopkins, outmuscles him to put it into the empty net. Stats of the game. Let's get to the stats of the game. Sabres in Edmonton. They're first of a Sabres after dark road trip. Uh, shot attempts in this game, heavily in favor of the Edmonton Oilers. 56 to 33. Now, this was very severely weighted towards the third period. Because if you look at periods one and two, the Sabres were in shot attempts were uh, only outdone 16 to 12 in period number one. Okay, not bad. Period two, I thought the Sabres were the better team. Shot attempts, though, they still go in favor of Edmonton, 14 to 13. I really was impressed by the Sabres in the second period, by the way. I thought they were great in period number two. So 14, 13 in period two in favor of Edmonton. Period three, shot attempts, 26 to eight. 26 to eight. And it's how Edmonton got the advantage, 56 to 33 shots in this game, just regular old shots, 48 for Edmonton, 24 for Buffalo, but the Sabres went into the second intermission, only down six, eight. They were outshot by 18 in period number three. They were really on their heels. They were trying to defend as best they could. Uh, Edmonton was, you know, just 10 times better in the third period, but the Sabres were right there with them through 40 minutes of hockey. Um, and they were ahead, obviously on the score sheet. So they finished better. A big, a uh, number or stat that points to why this game went the way it did was turnovers. The Oilers had 18 turnovers in this game to the Sabres 11, and the Sabres turned a couple of those into goals, including the J.J. Paterka uh, breakaway goal. Alex Tuck had a breakaway uh, in the same period just shortly after that was stopped by Stuart Skinner. So there was another one that could have ended up in the back of the net. Power play in this game. The Sabres finally get a power play goal. Darlene right at the start. It is a four-on-three. So they've yet to score a five-on-four power play goal. Sabres go one for four on the power play. Edmonton goes 0 for three. Sabres penalty kill has been rock solid through three games. Power play has not been great, but the penalty kill has been great. Uh, other stats from tonight's game. Well, let's just give you the goals and assists. How do we do that? Uh, goals on the game, we've already kind of gone through them. Tage Thompson, J.J. Paterka, Alex Tuck, and Rasmus Dahlin. Assists on the night. One by Dylan Cousins, Vinny Hinostroza, and Casey Middlestat. Jeff Skinner uh, gets an assist as well on the Tage Thompson goal. Um, minute leaders in this game. The blue line. Rasmus Dahlin, actually, excuse me, Owen Power leads the team in ice time with 23-41. Defensives, he's being used as a defensive specialist uh, so far in this season. Not too surprising. We thought Dahlin would get more offensive zone starts. Dahlin just behind him, though, 23 minutes and 21 seconds to Power's 23 minutes, 41 seconds. Matias Samuelson, 22-45 in ice time. Henry Yokiharu, 2018. Yokiharu had a really solid game, I thought, uh, and he gets over 20 minutes of ice time. Jacob Bryson, 16-21. And then Ilya Labushkin, remember, left in the second period. He only plays 8-36. So expected goals for numbers. You kind of point to who played well, who didn't play well, just from an individual basis. J.J. Paterka, unsurprisingly, to me at least, number one on the Sabres. Actually, number one in the game with a 61.6% expected goals for rate. That is through the roof. That is an incredible number. Usually the low 50s is a solid number. And he's over 60%. Great job by Paterka. Another phenomenal game by him. It seems whenever he's on the ice, the Sabres are attacking and the puck is in the opposing end. Uh, Dylan Cousins. There were only three Sabres with a... uh, 
50% or higher expected goals for rate. Paterka at 61, Dylan Cousins at 51.4%, and Henry Okiharu at 50.4%. Uh, the worst player in this game by expected goals for was Peyton Krebs, 10.1%. I hated the line he was on. I do not think it works. Him with Kyle Poso and Zemgus Girgensen, since that line got dragged down. Krebs had one moment where he definitely should have shot and he tried to overdo it. He threw a pass across. It didn't work. Um, so I don't think that line really fits. I think Asplin does should Asplin should be on that line. Uh, makes the best checking line possible. Uh, Krebs actually plays less than 10 minutes. He is maybe in the doghouse right now. He was on track. Remember to sit in this game. He skated with the extras on Monday, got back onto a regular line on Tuesday, plays on Wednesday, and he only plays nine minutes and 51 seconds. So he might be out for the Calgary game, if I'm guessing right now, and with Jack Quinn potentially going back in to the lineup. Uh, For the teams, scoring chances in this game, 15 for Edmonton, 6 for Buffalo, high danger scoring chances, 8 for Edmonton, 2 for Buffalo, and expected goals for for the teams, 62.7% for Edmonton, 37.3% for the Sabres. Time now to give away our goat head of the night. So, so far through two games, Dylan Cousins with the first one, JJ Paterka with the second one, Eric Comrie gets the third one. I have not mentioned Comrie yet on this show, and I was saving him for right here, right now. He was the best player on the night. He was incredible. Side-to-side movement. He showed his quickness. He showed his poise. He showed the calm, cool, collected demeanor he has in the net where he doesn't get out of position. And what that's probably going to provide for Comrie is very few highlight reel saves. But a reason for that is he's always in position. And you get highlight reel saves a lot of times when you're out of position, you're scrambling to get back into position. Comrie was great. Um, A lot of those shots along the ice where he sprawled out, he was really showing off on those ones. Point blank range. He stopped Dreisaitl twice. He stopped McDavid with nine minutes to go in the third period when it was a two-goal game. McDavid is shooting down the middle of the ice, and he's got a wide-open wrist shot. And I thought for sure, oh, this is in the back of the net. And Comrie, again, like very calmly, boom, blocker up, makes the save, goes back into the corner. He was great. He was the best player on the night. 46 saves on 48 shots for a 958 save percentage, 40 of those saves coming at even strength. He was incredible. And through two games, through two games, Comrie, four goals saved above expected. That is second in the NHL. So through moneypuck.com is saying through an evolving wild through two games on an average goaltender, four more goals are going in. Four more goals are going in than what are going on Comrie. And that right now is the difference between two points in the standings and also them having a chance to win that Florida game, sticking it, or keeping it a one-goal game uh, throughout the, the third period. So Comrie, unbelievable on the night. And I would like to see him get the next start. I think he deserves to start against Calgary to get his third game in a row. At the end of the day, the Sabres' best season possible for this year involves Eric Comrie being their definitive number one goaltender. Not 1A with Craig Anderson being the 1B, but Comrie taking the net over. And I'd like to see Don Granado give Comrie an opportunity to keep rolling, keep the momentum uh, brewing, and let him have a chance to take the net over. To not be a guy that starts, you know, 
47, 48 games, while the other guy starts 38 or 36, whatever that math would be, uh, 34 even. Let's see if Comrie can handle 60. Can he be that good? Can he be good enough to warrant 60 games, which is very rare in today's NHL that a guy plays that much. But uh, I think Comrie, again, if they're going to make the playoffs, it involves him having a stellar season. So I would like to see him get another chance to play against the Calgary Flames on Thursday, and we'll see if that ends up happening. Uh, but going out of the night goes to the Sabres netminder. First time I'm giving it out to him uh, of the season, even though he could have got it in Florida or against Florida too. We'll come back. We'll sail across the Atlantic, look around at the Atlantic division, and we got the Hack Eichel cam, our debut of that segment, Hack Eichel. Um, and we'll uh, let you know what's coming for the Buffalo Sabres in the next day or two. Jody Biasi here in the Locked On Sabres podcast. Welcome back to the Locked On Sabres podcast. With Joe DiBiase at Sneaky Joe Sports. Follow us on our YouTube channel at Locked On Sabres on YouTube. And you can watch the show there. Uh, like and subscribe. Leave a question on Twitter or on YouTube. We'll answer it here on the show. Thanks for making us your first listen every day. You can make your second listen when you're done here. Game to game NHL. Every moment, every top performance, every result. Locked On Game to Game covers every game from across the NHL with local analysis that only Locked On can deliver follow game to game on lockdown nhl available on the odyssey app youtube or wherever you get your podcasts let's sail across the atlantic tuesday night featured a couple of different uh games by atlantic division teams um including a barn burner between the senators and the boston bruins the senators get their first win of the season and they hand boston their first loss of the season with a seven to five victory Seven to five. Hope you took the over in that one. Um, funny, no senator scored more than one goal. Seven different goal scorers in a seven to five game. In fact, Boston had five different goal scorers on their five goals. How often do you get that? I wonder what the record would be for that, at least in the last, you know, recent times that you get 12 goals in a game and 12 different goal scorers. Uh, but Boston gets their first loss handed to them at the season. We'll see if they, you know, step back, but they are three and one to start the year. Ottawa gets their first win after dropping their first two. Um, you got the Flyers defeating the Tampa Bay Lightning. Tampa, dead last right now in the Atlantic. Three games in only for the Sabres. Four for Tampa. They are one in three with a three to two defeat to the Philadelphia Flyers. John Tortorella's Philadelphia Flyers. I have not for one second considered that Tampa could be the team that takes a step back this season. Uh, and they started slow last year. I still would not expect that they're going to be in any danger of, uh, of missing the playoffs at any point this season. They did outshot, uh, outshoot Philly 38-24. to So they were the better team uh, on the night, looking at some of the advanced numbers too. So I think they're fine. But yeah, only two points through their first uh, of a possible eight to start the year for the Lightning. And they find themselves at the bottom early on here in the Atlantic Division. Not the Atlantic division, but I do want to bring up here, Lindy Ruff and the New Jersey devils, the devils who, by the way, through a few games are number one in the league and expected goals for at 69%. They've been the best team uh, in the league, arguably, but they have only won one game. They're one and two, a comeback win. So the devils got down two to nothing early and there were fire Lindy chance just spread throughout the Prudential Center in New Jersey. And that made me sad, right? To see that video on Twitter, fire Lindy. I love Lindy. Buffalo loves Lindy. Sabre fans love Lindy. Um, and it was really sad to see that, that 
you know, the fire Lindy chance. We never did that here. We did fire Darcy chance. We never did fire Lindy chance. Uh, Finn is, uh, you know, I don't, what, what could he possibly be mad about? I don't even know if you can hear him. This guy, you're an idiot up here. Um, but anyways, fire Lindy. Very sad to see, but the devils come back. They come back and they score two goals pretty quickly after that to tie the game and they get another one. And then they end up winning the game by a score of four to two. Andre Palat scores his first goal as a devil. Uh, he was a free agent signing from the Tampa Bay lightning and funny. What a night for Lindy. He, he, you know, gets fire Lindy chance. Darlene breaks one of his records for the Sabres and he comes back and wins, which was win number 762, I believe is the number. You might be thinking, well, what does that matter? Lindy Ruff in NHL history now has the fifth most wins by a coach ever. How about that? Lindy Ruff, the fifth winningest coach in the history of the National Hockey League. The only four coaches with more wins than Lindy Ruff are Scotty Bowman, Joel Quenville, uh, I'm doing this off memory real quick. Scotty Bowman, Joel Quenville, Barry Trotz is another one. And then I'm trying to remember, oh, Ken Hitchcock is the other. Now, Lindy's probably not going higher on this. In fact, he's probably very soon going back down to six. But he passed L. Arbor, at least, on the all-time list. Paul Maurice is probably going to pass him at some point. He just got to Florida. He's younger. He's only six wins behind Lindy Ruff. Uh, and Lindy might be you know, nearing the end of his coaching tenure, not just with the devils, but in his NHL career, but 783 actually is the number 783 wins for Lindy Ruff. He is um, 66 behind Ken Hitchcock. So he would need to play two more seasons or coach two more seasons. Likely he's only 62. So he's not old and he's not so old that he's not, he's not going to be done coaching. Um, but it hasn't been going well in New Jersey in terms of the record. And he's on thin ice. He's, probably going to be the first coach fired if he doesn't turn things around there in the first month. But anyways, good for Lindy. And I just think it's awesome. I think it's awesome that he is now the fifth winningest coach. Is I Could you believe that? If you didn't hear it um, from me on Twitter or the devils on Twitter, I, like what would you have guessed? 11th, 12th, 13th, maybe lower, like the twenties. He's fifth, fifth all time in wins for a head coach. I think that's awesome. Uh, the hack Eichel cam. What did Jack Eichel do? On Tuesday night, what did the Vegas Golden Knights do? Uh, it was a good one. If you were hate watching Vegas, three to two defeat to the Calgary Flames, their first loss of the season. So Vegas still three and one on the year. The thing that happened in this game, though, you can find it on my Twitter at Sneaky Joe Sports. I retweeted it from Sinbin Vegas. Michael was getting criticism last night in Vegas. He had a very very bad play. Two to two, four minutes to go, and. Uh, Backlund, Michael Backlund of the Calgary Flames gets behind Eichel and goes to the front of the net. And Eichel, it's one of those, his controller died moments. He just doesn't skate, doesn't take one step, one stride. It's just a lazy, lazy looking play by Jack Eichel. Embarrassing looking play. And Vegas was calling him out after this play. And he doesn't get there in time. Not even close. Backlund shovels the puck in and the Calgary Flames win the game because Eichel didn't try on a play. So Eichel cost the Golden Knights a game last night. Uh, so if you're hate watching Vegas, uh, you probably were happy. Um, but they still are 3-1 and one in the season. But go find that clip. It's a good one to watch at Sneaky Joe Sports. And uh, Sinbin Vegas is where the uh, the video was. 
All right, it's going to do it for us here on Lockdown Sabres. Sabres have a Thursday night affair in Calgary. The arena looks like a Pringle, the Saddledome. Uh, the first meeting of the year with the Calgary Flames in Calgary. It's a 9.30 puck drop on Thursday, so you get a little bit more time to watch Thursday night football if you want. Um, we'll have a preview show for you tomorrow. We'll look at the lineups for both teams. What's going on with Calgary? They made some big trades in the offseason. Their team is completely different, or a lot of the big guns are completely different from last year to this year. So we'll talk Calgary. We'll do our full betting preview as well. I'm hot. I'm hot with the under. I might take, look, if I come back tomorrow to find out if I would take the under again, some other betting stuff, prop bets as well. Uh, we'll preview it all between the Sabres and the Flames on tomorrow's episode. Thanks everybody for listening. Uh, follow me on Twitter at Sticky Joe Sports. And this has been the Lockdown Sabres podcast. Thank you. Thanks for making us your first listen every day. Now go make your second listen. Lockdown Fantasy Hockey. Host Steel Roden and Flip Livingstone bring you the fantasy edge to keep you ahead of the competition with updates of news analysis and advice Monday through Friday. Available on YouTube, Odyssey, and wherever you get your podcasts. Talk to you tomorrow. Later.